Hi, I'm Jory. I'm playing Stefana Smart, and it's good to be here. Hi, I'm Jesse. I'm playing Algernon Scarsdale, and it's good to be here. Uh, Jory, is it just you? Where, where is everyone? Eli. Jordan? I think it's just us. Okay. Welcome to Many Realms. Hello, and welcome to a very special Many Realms one-shot. Today we are playing Broken, a tragic romance game by Ben Wallace. Ben is currently fundraising to complete publication of Broken, so stay tuned for the end of the episode where you can find out more about how to support the game. Broken is a game about doomed relationships, and today Jory and I will be taking on the role of two lovers fated by the very stars themselves to break up. The game uh, asks you to bring 10 objects along to break to prompt your different scenes as you play and then have a lot of fun smashing after. Uh, we're going to cut it down to, I think, six objects just for time and also just for like our own uh, weird sadistic satisfaction. I've got this huge bag of stuff I grabbed from the thrift store. And I think it's going to be funny. We're just going to pull stuff blind out of the bag and let it prompt our scenes the way it does. You know, I think blind bags unboxing is very popular right now. It's very on trend. It's a react podcast. So I know and half remember what's in this bag and Jory's never looked inside this bag. And I think it's going to be really funny to just grab some stuff out and see what kind of scenes it guides for us. Obviously, it doesn't have to be like a literal interpretation of the object if it's like a photograph of the ocean. It can be like more about the ocean or about photographs or about like salt or whatever. You know what I mean? You can interpret it. One thing we have to do in this game is we need to jot down traits about each other, which are the things that we are in love with about each other. They can be physical traits like your uh, loving cherubic smile, or they can be more abstract traits like your loving cherubic sense of humor. It, they don't have to be loving or cherubic even. Tell me a little bit about uh, Stefanon. I'll tell you a little bit about Algernon. Okay. We should also talk about our setting. We're doing a bit of a Regency period thing. But if Shonda Rhimes can do Bridgerton and not care if any part of it's historically accurate, we don't have to either. There could be fighter jets in this, but it, there will be fancy dresses and like little tarts. Yeah. Stefana Smart, I think... I think she either has to live up to that name or extremely not live up to that name. <laughs> I think it's fun if she lives up to the name. If she's like a little inventress. Okay. Okay. What is Regency? Like the 1890s? I'd say a bit earlier. A bit earlier, like the 1850s? 1850s? Okay. So we're at like the very, very, very beginnings of um, electricity and stuff being in rich people's yeah, houses. Yeah, even like motors. So she's doing something. It doesn't matter what specifically. She's like, has a little workshop. Maybe it's even like her father has a workshop that she sneaks into to tinker in. Yeah, we'll discover it together. So I guess that means she's very wealthy if her father has like a workshop where he messes with mechanics in their house. Mm -hmm. So she'll go and sneak into that. Maybe it's like a little secret hobby by night she invents and by day she has to go to these whatever, like the um, the balls and uh, what they do in Bridgerton where they just walk. Um, 
Okay. Anything else about Stefano? She probably has other personality traits besides. Um, <laughs> Let's enumerate them. Maybe she's a bit um, standoffish. Mm-hmm. She doesn't really want to be doing all this stuff during the day. She just wants to go back to her little tinkering. I'm thinking that she's not like a person who's reading a lot of books and like studying. I think she's the kind of person who like, if you were to present her with a car, she would not want to read the manual. She would just want to dive in mm-hmm. and figure out how it works. She's she's street, no. Stefana street smart. <laughs> Stefana street smart, no. <laughs> that's bad, that's bad. I just mean like she's um, yeah, a tactile learner, I guess, but also like an unpretentious person. Let me tell you a little bit about Algernon Scarsdale, a character I invented 44 and a half seconds ago. Um, I think that if Stefana is uh, this like rich inventor daughter woman, we've got to have some contrast here. I would say canonically that Algernon, I think he's like, he's a, he's a Regency jock, you know, he loves playing polo on horseback. He's good at archery. He can, he has like um, a bloodhound that follows him around everywhere and they hunt foxes. What's, what's his name? The bloodhound's name is Blood. <laughs> Rough. Rough is what Blood famously says on the moors. Anyway, so basically like anything you can do, algae can do better kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And he uh, is also very rich, although there may be some social implications that could affect his family fortune. We'll have to see. He's very excitable, but he's also very, like, internal, contemplative. Like, he's happy around a group, but he doesn't, like, profess his, like, thoughts and feelings freely. He's really kind of, like, stoic. Um, But he enjoys company. Take your list of traits that you like about Algernon. I'm going to write some traits that I like about Stefana. We're going to stack those in a pile, and that we're going to go from top to bottom. As the game progresses, we will fall out of love with these traits that are possessed by the other. And each time that happens, we will burn one of these index cards and order your cards so that they gradually progress from less to more serious. This will help your game naturally crescendo from scenes depicting new relationship energy and romance to more tense, more challenging scenes leading toward tragedy. So every scene will begin with one character recalling something positive from their relationship using the words, remember when blank, The other player will then serve a reminder, giving a twist or complication to the memory using the words, but you forgot about blank. These words will serve to prompt the scene that you will then role play. And for each scene, the person who starts with remember when will also choose one of the objects and the scene that we play ought to be inspired in some way, literally or figuratively by that object. So the goal of each scene that you're working toward together is having one of your characters become disenchanted with the exposed trait. Jerry's going to reach into this huge thrift store bag. I actually think you need to take a picture of the bag. I try to pick things that would be good fully. Great, I love that. I've grabbed one pirate battle figurine. <laughs> uh, Pirates of the Caribbean themed. Um, That's right. It's for ages four years and older. It's a blind bag within the blind bag. <laughs> I don't know which Pirates of the Caribbean branded figurine is going to be. Although I looked and you can't get Kira Knightley, which is like... That's sexist. Okay, patriarchy. Exactly. Like, why would I rather get like generic pirate skeleton soldier instead of Kira fucking Knightley, who's like arguably the deuteragonist of the franchise? It is Captain Jack Sparrow. Okay, so remember when... You took me on your sailboat for the very first time for the regatta. But you forgot about how seasick you got. 
Is this where we met? Is this where we met? Do we meet? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I like start the beginning. You know? It's a beautiful early summer day. I think that the hilltop down to this river is just dotted with like blankets and small tents and beautiful jewel colored dresses splayed out in the grass as everyone has gathered to watch the sailing regatta, um, which is a thing that Algernon is probably knows what it is and good at. (laughs) Unlike me for either of them. It's like racing. Yeah, it's a sailboat racing, and he's a jock, and he has a boat, and his boat is called the Blood, after his beloved bloodhound, Blood. Blood the boat, and Blood the hound. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, is there some, what's like a Regency kind of like, uh, have you like snuck on, is it like pirate themed, and we like captured you, or like what's happening? Oh, I like the idea that it's pirate themed. <laughs> There's like damsels and some of the women have been picked to be the damsels and they are at the um, end of the race and the sailors have to like rescue the damsel and get them back home. Mm -hmm. Somebody somewhere would like that. The SS blood, that's terrible, sorry. The (laughs) SS blood comes like slicing through this water at a a high canted angle catching a midsummer breeze and then loops around onto, you're on this like wooden kind of platform just bobbing a few feet out from the shore. And uh, this this gentleman uh, leaps from the deck of the ship onto this platform. He is tall, he's broad, he has uh, rich black hair that curls cutely over his ears. And he looks kind of disinterestedly at all of the damsels there who are doing what? Um, a lot of them are like wriggling and screaming. They've all been like tied to the buoys. And I think they're hamming it up. They want to be seen, right? They want to be picked by like the fastest boat because that is obviously the hottest dudes are on the fastest boat is I think the logic. That is how logic works. Mm -hmm. That's just true. So There's all these women who are like dressed up in these long ampere waist dresses that if they get wet, they are heavy, so we don't want to fall in. Maybe a few of them are in lighter gowns because they're the smart ones. Um, Speaking of the smart ones, Stefana Smart, I think she's like playing a little bit in this space. She's not having no fun because, well, she's here. She's somehow gotten herself into this situation where she's tied to a buoy in the middle of this lake. Uh-huh. Instead of uh, wriggling and asking for help, I think Stefana has decided to uh, try to see if she can untie the rope behind her back. And as, um, as Algernon and his crew, the crew of the blood, uh, approach, they see her um, in a little moment of victory. Like, poop! Her hands pop out. She unties her legs and she jumps onto your boat herself. She says to Algernon, that buoy has been bobbing around for 30 minutes. Please get me back to shore. I need steady ground. And you can tell she looks very pale. Algernon quirks an eyebrow and says, uh, as you wish, and hastens his crew to start sailing around. As you are uh, watching the water rush by you as Algernon takes an easy lead in the regatta, he stalks over to the railing where you are 
and he slumps over it, looking out as his crew kind of works the sails. He shoots a glance over at you, and you see his um, his nostrils widen. He says, you smell like machine oil. Why do you smell like machine oil? I was uh, helping my father in the... Um and I'm like staring intently at a structure on the uh, shore, trying to focus on this conversation. It's uh, it's nothing. If you get me to shore, I'll I'll show you. He just nods silently, and as he's turning back to work with his crew, he casts a glance over his shoulder with his piercing blue eyes. He says, "My name is Algernon Scarsdale." I'll uh, turn around and I'll try to gather myself and say. I'm Stefana Smart. It's great to make your... And then I may hurl on your shoes. Okay. Uh, you, you, <laughs> you let loose. You, uh, you blow chunks on Algernon's beautiful pirate boots that he's wearing. He has a nice pirate costume on, yeah. obviously. And uh, his lip curls and he looks about frantically for assistance. Uh, I think that you're sort of like wavering a little bit on the deck and he says... Um, I'd suggest you restrain from speaking until we touch shore. I nod and I grip the uh, railing and I go back to staring at my tree. He uh, heads back towards his crew and he's trying to like tap and, and rub the puke off of his boots. But as he looks back at you, you may not notice uh, a bit of a bemused smile playing around his lips. Um, I think the ship reaches shore and Algernon and the crew of the Blood are named the winners of the regatta. What does the winning team get? This, like, dumb mayor organizer guy trundles over and he's like, Awarded this year's regatta trophy in an estimable 1,500 pounds prize. 1,500 pounds? I think that's way too much money. I think that's like a year's salary, but we're we're fucking loaded, baby. Yeah, this is a uh, fancy like yacht club that has weird regattas. Yeah. The team is getting their award. I'm supposed to be on stage like, mm-hmm. but I'm still quite pale and I haven't really recovered yet. So you can still see me on stage, smiling placidly and swaying back and forth. Basically being like, don't, no more. We're gonna be okay. We're gonna get through this. Are you gonna faint? Um, that's a great idea. That classic of Regency tropes. I'm absolutely gonna faint. My corset is so tight. Don't come for me, corset girls on YouTube. Bernadette Banner, we know. We watch you. We love you. But we're just doing a fun game. God. <laughs> yeah, I uh, do faint. Why do I think this is a good memory? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I catch you. Uh, lightning fast, Algernon seems to cross the pavilion stage in a matter of moments, and his arms are outstretched and catch you effortlessly. He's staring down with you still with that same half-bemused, half-annoyed expression, uh, and he turns to the mayor and he says, Fetch this girl's family now. Uh, I think that you probably come to like a few minutes later on on your family's picnic blanket surrounded by your I'm gonna say a hundred and four sisters Elizabeth and Lydia and, and Jane, Jane and, and Emma Charlotte and, Charlotte and, and Cecily and Claudia Lindsay and Bridget and Mary and Arabella yeah can't forget her um all your sisters are there yeah I think just like a just a, a, a rat's nest of sisters 
<laughs> That's Regency. Yeah, you're you're there, and uh, uh, Algernon's nowhere to be seen. I come too, and I look at my sister, Gladys. You know Gladys. Oh, I can do. I can do Gladys. Yeah. Yeah. I look at my sister Gladys, and I say, "Where was?" The young man who caught me. Oh, well, well, Stefano, he trundled off me a moment ago, but don't you realize who that was, Stefano? That was Algernon Scarsdale. <laughs> it's weird that we grew up in such different parts of the country. <laughs> no, I, um, I was in a very bad accident when I was younger. I was mini-mousified. <laughs> <laughs> That's a terrible disease. I hope one day they find the cure. That's what I'm working towards for you, Gladys. Please cure my mini-mouse disease. Algernon Scarsdale is the thing I'm reacting to. He's the, uh, the son of Xavier Scarsdale. Indeed, he's, he's old Xavier's lad, and he's set to inherit one of the vastest fortunes this side of Kent. I, I thought they left town ages ago. Well, it seems that circumstances have brought Mr. Scarsdale back into our midst, and it seems as well that his eye has caught yours. Did you make a good first impression? Stefano? Um, it depends on how strong a stomach he has. Well, I wouldn't know anything about that. (laughs) (laughs) The girls all titter. I was thinking something like he just leaves you like a gift or a token or a note that says like, yeah, I enjoyed the time you puked on me. Is it a small statue of Johnny Depp? Um, it's, no, that would be strange. It's a, um, it's a bottle of very fine perfume that you find waiting for you as you gather your things to leave and head back to your estate, Stefana. It says, um, it's something a little glib. It's like, I think we'd both prefer it if you smelled like this. Okay. Is that our first scene? Yeah. I'm going to say I was kind of moving towards the trait that I had that I liked about you is that you smell of machine oil. Yeah. Um, but then you puked on me. And so I've decided that I don't like how you smell and I'm just going to perfume you up make you smell tolerable. Yeah. So I'm going to burn this thing Mm -hmm. and then you can uh, shatter Mr. Depp. He seems really pliable. Great. You can rip him apart. We have scissors. We have a hammer. Is is this burning crackle going to sound good? Let's find out. Let's find out. Let's get both of the mics on it. Goodbye, mother oil smell. All right. Now I have a Johnny Depp to destroy. Let's do it. He's not breaking. Sure, you gotta break this depth. There we go. Okay. May I? Yeah, you can, you can. Oh. I've removed Mr. Depp's head. <laughs> I'd call that broken. That's broken? <laughs> <laughs> All right, at the end, we'll have like a small pile of shit. Yes, yes. Okay, so the last thing to do in the round is to become uh, disenchanted. So. You take the trait that uh, you started this scene with and you read it again, but with the words, I used to think blank. And then you fill the blank in with the trait. I used to like the smell of motor oil, but now it just reminds me of sickness. Uh, Let's describe this for the audience. I've pulled a second thing. I would describe it as bejeweled handcuffs they sort of look like gay handcuffs could you snap a picture real quick hon mm-hmm. yeah happy pride month everybody although we're recording it's this in july. july and it might come out in august 
I just pictured pulling them apart and I thought that's fun. That is fun. These are fun. They're good poly fully. Yeah. Are they for a child? They're quite small. They're quite small. Remember when I got you that lovely jewelry for your birthday? But you forgot that it was taken away for the uh, investigation on your father. Okay. Let's go into the scene, which I think starts with, Dear Stefana, happy birthday to you. Which has fallen into the uh, Creative Commons now, so. Do they have that in Regency? I think it's actually from after. They probably do like, it's your birthday, it's your birthday, you are at Eastside Mario's. Yes, that's it was probably on For She's a Jolly Good Fellow. Okay. <laughs> for She's a Jolly Good Fellow, which nobody can deny. Uh, do they have cake? But they have little cakes. Oh. They have many little cakes and they have macarons. Stefano, blow out your little cake and eat your macarons. I don't know what to wish for. W- wish that your candle doesn't burn out onto your macaron, which it will in a second, because it's not that big. It's not a birthday cake. The candle is normal sized. And it's on a macaron? And a bath. No, I'm glad it's still. <laughs> oh, I was going to just be, go with a different name Okay, for sure, sister. that's great. We all have the same incurable disease. I'm the only one who didn't get it. I close my eyes really tight. I think for a moment, and then I blow out my candle on my tiny macaron. Okay. Uh, everyone claps and cheers in the dining hall of your estate, which is called... Smart House. That's a stinker, Stern. Okay. No, no, I have bled the hound. Yeah, so in the dining hall at Smart House, everyone cheers and claps. And uh, of course, Algernon is there. It's now, I think, a few months into your courtship. Mm-hmm. And he has been a, a presence at Smart House you guys have been doing dates. He takes you to watch his uh, his Spanish rugby matches, which is a sport that doesn't exist anymore. And you take him to... Uh, I take him to um, the workshop where I like show him excitedly what I've been working on. Do a little bit of, do a little bit of work in the workshop? Yeah, do a little bit of work a in the workshop. A little smooch work? A little building, a little... Uh, I'm trying to come up with a word that's a, a double entendre. There we go. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. Thank All you. All right. Uh, fantastic. Algernon says, um, Stefano, my sweet, I, uh, for your birthday, Stefano, I tried to find you something as beautiful as you are. And he slides over the table of this, uh, little satin butter yellow box with a white ribbon. I think I laugh appropriately coyly and I say, um, audio medium. I don't know. How, I, Jory can't laugh. I only have one laugh and it's the, uh, uh. <laughs> I know. I edit this. <laughs> I cut it out. No! Uh, uh, oh, God. It's true. We'll do that then. <laughs> I'll show you now. Um, <laughs> oh, coy. Okay. And um, I open the box to reveal... What do I, what do I, what did you give me? It is a jeweled brooch in the shape of a, what's your animal? What's my animal? What's Stefano's favorite animal? Stefano's favorite animal. Too stereotypical to go with like an owl. No, it's fine. Wait till we get to the bottom of the bag. It's a jeweled brooch in the shape of an owl with uh, little sapphires for eyes. And uh, Algernon says, for my wise little owl. 
I gasp and I say, oh my algae, it's beautiful. And I think I pin it to my blue dress and the sapphires bring out my blue eyes. It belonged to my, my great aunt, uh, Fanny. She had remarkable taste. You flatter me. <laughs> it's quite crowded here with my two million sisters. I could use some air. Do you want to go on a rendezvous? Uh, sure, yes, I'd be, ha- I'd be happy to escort you. Yeah, maybe we uh, take a walk around the smart house grounds and Amazon follows our every step. I feel safer now, knowing that your ring door camera. Yeah, we have a nest security system. Where do we go? Do we have a stupid mage, a hedge maze? A hedge maze? I don't know, they have hedge mazes in these things. Sure, we go to the, the smart house hedge maze. We've lost, we've lost dozens of sisters in this maze over the years. It's very, do not go in after sunset. You hear people screaming. Help, help, please, please, oh, I'm ever so lost. Really big family. I get lost sometimes, you know, with all the sisters. I feel like I'm part of a set. I could never mistake you for any one of your 37 sisters, Stefano. You are a unique jewel, a rare diamond among cubic zirconia. I blush and I look coyly away and I say, this isn't really uh, how I'm most comfortable. How are you most comfortable? If I may be so bold as to inquire. Take you by hand, and maybe this is the first time I take you into the uh, little shop. Okay. Oh, we've passed by the maze. Yeah, well, we've gone through the maze, and the <laughs> middle of the maze is my is the is the shop. That's very confusing. That's why the other sisters never made it in. It's probably in the house. It's fine. Yeah. We're in the workshop wherever it is. Uh, what's the inside of the workshop like? It's surprisingly organized. It smells deeply of motor oil, which you no longer like. I wrinkle my nose. And you see maybe a little skeleton of an early car. Mm-hmm. There's one of those, uh, what do you call the big bikes? Like a, like a penny farthing? Penny farthing, yeah. And there's wheels and there's gears and structures that you don't really understand and um, piles of paper uh, with notes in my handwriting of calculations and measurements. And I take you to a corner where there's something covered by a sheet. If I cast my eyes around the workshop, I say, goodness, my dear, you you simply are not blessed with a mind that can keep a room tidy, are you? Well. Had you ever find anything here? It's a bit of a disaster. I'd like to call it organized chaos. I know where everything is. There's where all my tools are, and here are all my screws and nuts and bolts. And I make my way to whatever's covered, and I say, and this is, and I whip off the sheet, my design for a motorized bicycle. And it's a little early motorcycle. A prehistoric Vespa? Yeah. Yeah, cool. Okay. And I say, it's almost ready for a test run. Really? Does it go quite fast? How many horses can it imitate? How how many, the power of how many horses will it harness when it runs? goes to the power of approximately 30 horses, and uh, it's a lot more fun, too. It, it looks astounding. You built this all yourself. Well, the parts came pre-made. Is it, uh, is it quite safe? Absolutely not. Oh. And I grab a helmet, and I get a helmet for you. Uh, uh, well, I suppose I'm, yes, I'm your guest. I'm, 
not afraid for my own safety, you understand? It's just uh, quite an unusual means of conveyance. It has to take a maiden voyage of sorts, and I thought I would like to have someone with me. I'll protect you. And we start this little motorcycle. Does it work? Yes. Yes. But it, it's it's a maiden voyage, so it's crazy. It's crazy. I think we're, like, ripping around the grounds of Smart House. After a few minutes of, like, going faster than you've ever gone on any boat or on any horse... Yeah. You hear a... sound from it. Was that good? In response to, is that good, the motorcycle stalls and uh, we fall off of it. I don't think it falls on us or... Do we want to get hurt? Uh, either we get hurt or, like, it runs out of our grasp and, like, charges into, like, the pond and sinks or whatever. Yeah, maybe it charges into the pond and breaks a statue or something. <laughs> yeah, the statue of, like, Diana that you have, like, standing out of your pond loses yeah. a, a head and a tit. Exactly. Now it's more beautiful. Yes. All women are queens. Um, I land bodily in the turf around the pond and, uh, for a second I'm like, What? Uh, oh, uh. And I'm laughing. We've landed in the pond. My hair has fallen out. My dress is all wet. It's that scene. There's a second where Algernon looks at you and he's really like, he's got this like ugly, angry expression on his face. That lip is curling in with contempt at like what a, what a asinine maneuver you've pulled. And then as you are kind of playing it for laughs, he forces himself out of it and goes, <laughs> Oh, for a second there, I thought we were fated to die. But we didn't. Of course not. We had helmets. That's true. That's very true. That That's, uh, I didn't know 30 horses could go quite so fast. I suppose if you got them all in a line, it kind of, it stacks. We are kind of laughing in the pond when, uh, which sister? Has Cecily, has Cecily I don't think she's made an appearance. Cecily is kind of, I think, my favorite of your sisters because she's seven feet tall and she has antlers growing out of her head. Okay. Uh, she's one of the weirder sisters, but takes all kinds to make a house. When you have like 500 sisters. You got to tell them a person how. Sometimes, sometimes they're elks. Uh, Stefan's like, don't ask what the antlers. It was a really bad accident. These sisters have these terrible, terrible transfigurative accidents constantly. Um, Cecily runs and she's, Stefano, uh, Algie, please, g- g- what are you doing in the pond? Get out right now. It's an emergency. Cecily, you're always so dramatic. What could it be? The authorities are here and they're looking for Mr. Scarsdale. Algie? I I know nothing about this, I swear. It must be a matter with my, my father, perhaps. Maybe something uh, has come up. I hope he's all right. Okay, let's, let's go. Yes, do. <laughs> um... <laughs> Sister Act 500, back in a million habits. Um, we drag ourselves out of the pond into the front door of Smart House, and indeed there is a carriage and a constable is waiting at the doorstep with his arms crossed, tapping his foot. And you can be him, as Algernon says, Hey, yes, officer, uh, I am unsure why you've chosen to disturb us at such a late hour. Is, is anything wrong? We need to take you down to the station, sir. Whatever could this be about? Something has come up with your father. It would be indelicate to discuss this in front of these 800 women. Please, would you and 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 you excuse us? Oh, sure, Algie. Oh, sure, yes, of course, that's a request. You have to listen to the authorities. 
your father, he has a uh, significant collection of gems and jewels and stones. Is that correct? Indeed, he's been collecting for most of his adult life. And do you know who his sources are? He purchases at auctions and he uh, maintains well the family inheritances. It's all it's all strictly above board. Maybe not strictly above board. We confiscated most of your father's collection and we noticed one piece missing. And what piece would that be? It's a brooch of an owl. It went missing from the royal jewels some time ago and Her Majesty has been asking for it. Uh, Algernon's face goes slack and he just says, yes, I, I believe I know where the piece in question is located. I'll return it to you first thing tomorrow, Constable, if that's acceptable. Very well. In that case, we will not have to give you the same treatment that we are giving your father right now. If you are willing to give us back the owl and perhaps give us your testimony, we might grant you immunity. I'll have to consult my family solicitors. I will be in communication with you promptly. You have my word as a gentleman. You have till the end of the week. I bid you good night. Enjoy the rest of your party, sir. He stiffens. His cheeks are bright red with humiliation. And he uh, heads back into Smart House to uh, ask back this uh, this brooch that he'd given to you. Did you fall out of love with me? Because I kind of, if I you didn't... I about to. Oh, okay. That could go twice. It doesn't have to be like in order or anything. Yeah. But um, my other thing was that you jump into things and I feel like you jumped into things and it got me all bedraggled and embarrassed in front of a cop. So I'm willing to say that I fell out of love with you. This could be, this is getting very one-sided and that could be really over you and you're like still into me. Sure. That could be fun. Okay, yeah. I'm no longer happy with how, you were so spontaneous, you were reckless. This seems like it's gonna be easier to break. Yeah, I have this stupid gay handcuffs and I'm gonna try to, I wanna rip them apart with my bare man hands. I used to like how spontaneous you were until it started to seem more like recklessness. It's a clock. That's probably the most Regency thing in the bed. This is very Regency. It's like a brass looking clock. It's sort of engraved and there's fake metalwork or whatever. And there's a blue bow tied around it. I'm glad we got this one. It looks like if the clock from Beauty and the Beast was a twink. Yes, exactly. Need I say more? Remember when um, we spent New Year's Eve with your friends and a choice selection of my sisters at your chalet in the Alps? You were so drunk you don't remember the yelling match we got into. Ooh. Yeah, uh, I think I think the counterpoint of like all your sisters being like <laughs> is that all my friends are like <laughs> yeah, they're just peanuts. So you're the sisters and I'm the friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, I love it. This is also the beginning of High School Musical, uh, famously. That's actually just happening in a different room. The, the, <laughs> in the next suite is Troy and Gabriella. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is 11 p.m. on December 31st, 1866. I hope nothing historic happened on that day, Napoleon. <laughs> Make sure not to do anything, Napoleon. Because then they'll be like, oh, that was the day like Switzerland exploded. And we're like, well, fuck. Um, we're in this beautiful uh, Swiss chalet, but not the Swiss chalet you're thinking of a type of building in the country of Switzerland. I think that was a Canadian joke. I don't know if Swiss chalet is elsewhere. I make this podcast for Canadian hoes. Um, so 
So we're in this beautiful chalet in the Swiss Alps and uh, uh, light snow is falling. It's that kind of uh, twilight where the snow has like a rich, deep blue and purple shadow shifting over it. I think there's a roaring fire. I think the rum punch is flowing freely uh, and people are ready to pop champagne corks in the next hour. We're listening to the radio? No. There's a band. There's a live band. There's a live band playing all of the hits of the 1860s, 70s, and today. (laughs) I think I am, as you said, a little tipsy. I haven't described what I look like yet. So um, I have blue eyes. I have red hair that is piled up with the little wispies coming down around my face and a a green jewel-toned ampere waist dress and maybe like a fur thing, a mink that is uh, around my arms uh, sitting in the uh, crooks of my elbows. I am wearing a smoking jacket of a plum-colored velvet and hair gel, but not in the way you'd expect. Not on my head. Interesting. So Tell like, me more about no, this hair gel. You gotta kind of imagine it. Uh, <laughs> I've slicked back my arm hair. <laughs> That's bad. That's a bad feeling. It is bad. It's anky. Sorry. So it's New Year's Eve. Um, the jacket was true. I'm wearing a beautiful plum-colored velvet smoking jacket, and you are hanging off my arm, and I sort of wish you weren't. My friends are trying to, uh, uh, they all want a sword fight in the, um, in the entry hall. We're kind of drunk. We're ripping. You know, when you sword fight with your friends, with the, with the boys at the caddy. That's all I, Jesse, have ever wanted. So, yes. <laughs> um, so the boys are ripping. We're throwing epées and foils, maybe a rapier or two uh, in the mix. Those would do different things depending on what you're after. Um, yeah, so like every time you're kind of like bored and wandering off because the only two sisters you brought, one of them's laid up with um, with uh, consumption. She's not going to make it in the winter. Oh, and the other one is um, smooching one of my friends. So you're, you're third wheeling hard. Um, yeah, and every time you like go to look for me, I've like wandered back to the entrance hall. I've thrown back another rum punch and I've challenged uh, my friend Mac Farrelly. And we're we're clanging and clanging our swords together and having a jolly old time. Okay, so so I'm trying to hang off your shoulder, but but you're avoiding me. If you're hanging off my shoulder, you better have a shield on. Oh gosh, okay. So maybe I've been watching kind of um after you're on your third sword fight with uh, McFarley. That three is a bender for sure. <laughs> um I've started really getting into the punch. And maybe I'm on my fourth or fifth drink and I'm a little bit tipsy on this New Year's Eve. You're on this third fight with McFarley and I think you're losing. Yeah, McFarley's good. McFarley's good. Maybe McFarley also has a little less drink at him. He's not wavering his sword around. So I think finally I put down my cup and I say, Algie, I think it's my turn to toss my hat in the ring. Um. What are you talking about? You you don't know how to fight? I think I could fight. I could take McFarley here. McFarley's like, why well, uh, now, ma'am, I don't want no trouble with you. I'm just having a good time on New Year's Eve. That's what I'm trying to do, too. 
Yeah, LG, let her fight. We want to see her fight. No, no, no. I, please, she'll hurt herself. This is not funny. I think I pick up a dropped, maybe a dropped rapier, and I'm like, on guard. Uh, Algernon crosses his arms and kind of backs out of the way of your wavering rapier point, and he scoots over to the side of the wall, and he says, this is not funny, dear. But he doesn't try to stop you. It wasn't so funny when you were doing it either. Oh, are you going to talk or are you going to fight now, Les? All right. And I spin around and I clang swords with uh, McFarley. Um, <laughs> you're sword fighting McFarley. Yeah. How do we decide who wins? Or we can pick a number between wins. one. Wait, yeah. Pick a number between one and five. If you pick the number, you win. Four. I win. It was three. Okay. Yeah. So I'm not sure how um, you win, like a friendly duel. You just touch. Just touch. You just get a little stabbing. So when I get the little stabbing McFarley, some chest I spin around, I say, see, even I could beat McFarley in a fight. Uh, Algernon chews his lip. McFarley laughs and he says, uh, her poke's no match for her tongue there, he Scarsdale. <laughs> and um, Algernon uh, just slams his drink down onto the Davenport and he whirls off into uh, back into the kitchen of the chalet, uh, unspeaking. I follow you and I say, hey, where are you going? You didn't like me joining in on the fun? What reason do you have to embarrass me in front of all my friends? What have I done to you? I've done nothing. Yes, you've done nothing. You've ignored me all evening to horse around with your mates. This whole trip, I just think uh, you're trying to avoid me. It's nothing of the sort. I only get to see them a few times a season. I get to see you, uh, well, I mean, I, obviously I love getting to see you every day, but it, it's different. If you wanted to have a trip with just your friends, you shouldn't have invited me. Are, aren't you, you ha we're having fun with, I think you brought Daphne and, uh, and Ophelia along. Aren't they enjoying themselves? Daphne is on her deathbed upstairs. Ophelia has been snogging Jeremy, that rake, since the second day we've been here. Well, it sounds as though you're just as cross with them as you are with me, and yet I'm the one being put in the stocks for your amusement. You're the one who invited me here. I'm your guest. How would you like to spend the time? Together. Fine. Uh, I stride over and get another glass of punch, one for you as well. I thrust it into your arms and I say, Are you having fun yet, dear? What do you think of the band, the decorations? You know what I bet. Seeing, as you could not exercise the patience required to allow me to enjoy myself for an evening, I would simply rather spend every moment with you until you are satisfied. Very well. There will be fireworks at midnight that I am quite looking forward to. And I am swaying a bit. I'm quite drunk. Yeah, uh, I, I sneer into my drink and say, if you can make it that long. What do you mean, if I can make it that long? I am quite capable of staying up till midnight. I am a big girl. Perhaps when you're clear of head, the only friend you've made tonight is the punch bowl. The punch bowl is the only one who would talk to me. And what did it have to say? I am full of delicious strawberry punch. <sighs> Let's just watch these fireworks and go to bed. Ten.
Yeah, and I think the fireworks just explode off that balcony we're standing and in the the light of them we're silhouetted and you can see that though we are inches apart from each other we're not touching mm-hmm. and i think i can probably get rid of um i like your sense of humor when you're not around your buddies because you weren't around your buddies and you were not very funny i sure wasn't now this is a job for the hammer <laughs> absolutely That sounds good. Oh, baby. <laughs> Jory She's has broken. shattered the face of this clock. That is a broken ass clock. And I think I can say I used to like you when you weren't around your friends. And then I realized you liked your friends more than me. You have the bag of stuff? I have the bag of stuff. This is a retirement card. Remember when you came to my father's retirement party? And you spent the whole time hiding in the stables. Mm, okay. Okay. Man, I keep uh, leaving you alone at parties. That would bother me. I would yeah, break up with someone. Bad, That's bad one. boyfriending. You know, I'm I'm a heartbreaker. What can I say? Yeah, this time the party... Well, this is like three parties in a row, though. Um, well, it's a regency. That's all they do. But I think this is like a little more uh, stately and sedate. I think that it is the, like, sixth course of a ten-course meal, at which point I stand, Algernon rises from the table, I excuse myself... And uh, over an hour passes with you just alone at this table trying to make small talk with my relatives. And boy, do they not give a shit about you. <laughs> so yeah, Stephanie? Stefana? Yes, and where do you live? I live in Kent. I hate Kent. Many do. Brothers and sisters? I have many sisters. You might have met a few of them. They, uh, they're they everywhere. Uh, uh, you intend to marry? Well, um, no, nothing, nothing in uh, writing yet, but uh, I hope so soon. How many children will you bear? Uh, may, I, may I be excused? Uh, you, you duck out of the dining room as the second round of puddings are being deployed strategically. Yeah, so I I go to powder my nose or whatever, mm-hmm. and I am looking for for my uh, my partner at this party for his father. I'm I'm a little bit done with a uh, uncle Montgomery, Uncle Monty. Uh, yeah, I think in the powder room, as you uh, usher a stray sister out of there, so you can take your place at the vanity. There's actually a bizarre uh, uh, stirring from the bathtub. Uh, while you're powdering your nose, there's like a, a sound of something scratching at the porcelain behind the curtain. Hello. Quick, I, I swipe open the shower curtain. Uh, in the bathtub, Algernon's bloodhound blood is just uh, tucking into a, a big bowl of shepherd's pie that someone has left for him in this bathtub, making a terrible mess. Oh, blood, what are you doing here? No. I'm not doing a dog. <laughs> the dog looks up at you with bloodhound eyes. I'll sigh and say, me too, buddy. Not all these people are um, interesting, are they? 
as you uh, perch on the edge of the bathtub wistfully, Blood does the thing dogs do where he like rests all the weight of his head on your lap and stares up at you. Uh, I give him a little scratch under the ear and I say, have you seen your person? His uh, ear pricks up. He shakes some of the ground beef and potato off of his uh, muzzle and he scrabbles and skittles with a little bit of your assistance, lifting his heavy weight out of the high bathtub and he goes skittering out of the bathtub slowly down the stairs. Yeah, I follow Blood. Sure, Blood is a bloodhound and tracking is the name of his game. So he's a useful plot device that it turns out <laughs> to have. <laughs> uh, Blood leads you out and around the uh, comely front garden of Scarsdale Manor. Smart House is really funny. It's called like um, Thropshire. He leads you around the comely front garden of Thropshire over to the stables. Uh, the grass here is a little less kempt and you find yourself hoisting your skirts up as you walk through the, the damp swaying plants. And inside the stable, in the light of a lantern, you see Algernon. He is uh, cleaning, like brushing the mane of one of the horses with a fat cigar poking out of the corner of his mouth. I look at him and I sigh and I say, you left me talking to your uncle Montgomery for it, it felt like years. There's work here to be done. In the middle of your father's party, is that really why you're here? I'm glad you've come out to join me. The, the family can be a bit stiff. Who's this? This is Lucinda. I've known her since I was maybe nine or ten. I have a sister named Lucinda. You have a sister with every name. There isn't a name that isn't also the name of your sisters. I, I start uh, giving her a little pet and I say, she's very beautiful. Is there anything I can do to help you out here? You're handy in a stable. Um, I can be. I'm handy in a lot of places. I thought you had servants for that sort of thing. Sure, but a horse can be uh, like a car. Indeed. Many have written that horses are like cars we that we have invented already. I like do whatever you tell me to, to like, like nonsense task. Are you willing to do like dirty work? Yeah. I said I'm unpretentious. That's one of my... Sure. Um, you can roll up your sleeves and, uh, well, if you don't mind mucking out the stall, and it's not a pretty job, but, uh, it needs to be done. Um, just, uh, give me the mucker and I will de-muck, muck, make, make mucky. Know what you're doing. Don't need to tell you anything. <laughs> he hands you a, a big spade. Yeah, so I start mucking out the stall, um, and I say... So you weren't having very much fun at the party, then? It's all a bit ironic, don't you think? Everyone pretending that everything's all right with Dad. Even if uh, he's in his legal troubles, uh, I guess they still want to have a little bit of fun. I hope that you're aware that were we to wed, my family will not have much to offer, as it stands. Well, if your family has doesn't have that much to offer, what do you have to offer? You know my salary. I stand to inherit Thropshire in the event of my father's passing, which may be some years out. I could possibly afford for us uh, a smaller residence, perhaps closer to the city. Uh, less acreage. No room for Lucinda. But it'd be ours. Mm -hmm. Certainly there'll be no budget for fancy dresses and Anything you need for your uh, little mechanics, you'll pay for yourself. I'm not trying to be harsh here, but I want you to understand the reality. 
of what I can offer you. So I don't think she would be mad. She would like that would turn her off. No, just like planting a seed. I wanted, but I want her to say something like uncouth to like turn this around. Yeah. I think what's happening is you're pulling away and she's trying really hard to like Mm -hmm. keep it. Right. So she'll say something like, well, you know, I've never been much for pretty dresses. Um, I'm sure I could sneak back home if I have a hankering to tinker with any of my mechanics. But if we are to be married, I'm sure I will have lots to do as the uh, lady of the house. And the mother of our children. Yeah, yes. Well, you know, um, Algernon, I have a few sisters. One or two. Or three or four. Five or six. And it's so lovely to be in the quiet if we were to have children. Perhaps one? Or none? None. You have so many wonderful hobbies with your sailing and your... uh, Archery and boxing and and fencing and... Polo and your water polo and your sky polo polo. and your earth polo and fire polo. Fire polo, I think we'll catch on. I am committed. When you're leading the fire polo league, you'll have a lot to do to keep that going. And I know you said we won't have time for uh, my mechanics, but without children, really, I likely will have some time. And you're saying you won't have an inheritance. Perhaps I can get a patent and uh, that would make a life for us. But with, with no children who will inherit my family name I am an only son Uh, you might not understand these things but they are quite important I can't just let the Scarsdale name fade into history what would my ancestors think of me what would my father think of me and there isn't too much time to wait I mean we're not exactly getting any younger well how much do you really care right now about what your father thinks of you the groundskeeper at uh rupture that we had before we had to let him go was named uh, Henley and uh, he's the one who taught me to take care of these horses and and of blood and you know he always told me to think of myself as a father to them so that when the day came for me to become a father a true father I would know how to protect and care for another creature it is important to me but does protecting and caring for these creatures not uh, satisfy that in some way? I don't want to play another game of verbal chess of dancing around your rhetoric. I'm telling you what I want. Why won't you take that seriously? I take that seriously and I, in turn, am telling you what I want. And, um... We can take this away and we can consider if we're willing to make these sacrifices for each other. He's um he's trembling. He's more upset than I think you've seen him. He's really, really hurt by how reticent you're being. He stalks over to you and he snatches the shovel out of your hand. He says, you're doing it all wrong. Let me finish here, go back to dinner. It's best I go home. Could you give your father my regrets? Enjoy your muck. He doesn't answer, just keep shoveling. Yeah, and I go home. 
the so I have one that was like I said he, I love how he treats his pets, and I maybe the re- revelation that he this is like dad school. It's yeah. a little bit of a turn off. <laughs> I was hoping that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We don't like dad school. Pretend your baby's like a horse. And That's true. he's a horse mom. Uh, I'm going to rip up this card. I thought ripping paper would be a good one. Yeah. That's Foley. Into the slot bucket. I used to like the way you treated your pets, but... Now I see that they're just for practice. Okay, you're up. Guys, this is our last pull from this blind bag that now has like 70 things left more that I'm gonna have to figure out how to get rid of. Maybe this? Oh, I was hoping you'd grab that. Amazing, such such kismet. Mm -hmm. Tell the folks at home. A little ceramic owl who is covering his little eyeballs in fear. Um, It's like, yeah, just a little white a white ceramic owl that I'm going to be sad to destroy because it's pretty cute. But boy, will it smash up good. It'll smash up real good. <laughs> yeah. This, uh, we started off, I think, with like, dece- like the Johnny Depp was hard to rip up, but now we're getting into the good shit. Do you remember when I got my first um, patent? But you forgot about that being the day we broke up. <laughs> there you go. And it's the owl because it's covering its eyes and it's sad. The owl is covering its eyes and it's sad. Are we, did we get married? Did we get a house? Are we did like- Did we do it? Do we have, did we have a kid? That's, that's messy. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I really shouldn't be going back to Tinker. Like you don't like that I do it, mm-hmm. but you kind of turn a blind eye because I'm not keeping a big secret of it. Blind like an owl covering its eyes. Blind its like an owl covering its eyes. And one day I come back all excited. I, I submitted, um, and I'm sorry, I know you wanted me to stop, but I, su- I, I, I submitted the, uh, the engine that I showed you that first time on the motorcycle. I submitted the design to uh, the Kent School for Technology and they, uh, they, they want to put it in production. They want to place a patent and they want to uh, pay us a lot of money so that they can put those in their uh, new, new uh, automobiles. Are you quite serious, uh, uh, Stefana? What? How much money? Well, it'll depend on how many they sell, but the upfront it's going to be thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of pounds. We haven't worked out the deal, and, and I don't know how much money it was in this time, um, but a lot, enough to uh, maybe buy back your old estate. Uh, uh, to buy Thropshire, th- this is... Th- uh, Astounding, uh, but what does it mean? Are you going to be uh, involved in this? You've spent a lot of time back at the smart house. Well, y- yes, I would have to uh, go to uh, go to the university and um, help them figure out the design and uh, make sure it works with the rest of the parts and maybe help the rest of the vehicle. But uh, it would be, it would mean so much for family. It would only be for a few years. And then I think we'll be a few years. Well, of course there's much to do. I, I don't understand who is going to look out for Wesley. We can hire nannies. We'll have so much money. And the smart car will make sure that Wesley doesn't have to want for anything. The, boy is six years old. He needs someone at home to take care of him. A, a nanny is not the same thing. 
I understand this is quite a lot of money and that's very exciting, but uh, is money the only priority here? It's not just money, it's, uh, frankly... Prestige? Ego? Fulfillment? Intellectual stimulation? I bought you that rocking horse so you would be intellectually stimulated. That was for me, that wasn't for Wesley. Never mind. I told you how hard it was growing up with my father away on business all the time, handed off in an endless parade of nannies and butlers and maids and groomsmen. It's no life for a child to lead. I was largely raised by my, uh, my sisters, and that was okay for me. We are all quite close. Well, you are clearly not interested in giving Wesley a brother or sister. And we talked about that. We talked about that? And I thought that when we talked about that, you agreed that this was the kind of family we were going to create. And we've created it, and now we can create something else, something bigger. It's done. Your work here is done. This is a project that you've completed. You said you wanted a son, and now you have that, and I want this. Tears are welling up in Algernon's eyes. Um, he's standing in the small sitting room of your townhouse and he uh, stalks upstairs and when he comes down he's carrying the uh, uh, replica of the owl brooch that he gave you for your your birthday uh, the year you met and he says um, I saved up so much so I could actually give you one of these for real because you're my wise little owl but Maybe I'm not meant to be with someone quite so smart. Maybe I'm not stimulating enough for you. If you walk out that door and head to Kent, I see no reason why you should return. You'll clearly have no attachment to Wesley, to our lives here, or to me. I have made sacrifices for us to have this life. And I told you years ago that I wanted this and For years, I have been putting it on the back burner, and this is an opportunity I stumbled into. I didn't really go seeking it out. The the people from the university, they came to see my father's design, and they saw my little engine sitting in the corner that I made years ago, and that's what they wanted, so that's what they've asked for, and it felt like fate, so I thought I would broach the subject with you and maybe you're right that this isn't enough for me but I don't see why I can't go to the university in the day and come back in the evening and read Wesley a bedtime story and make you dinner women can't have it all (laughs) no they must choose um I put on my Liz Lemon glasses and my little I put on my slanket and mosey (laughs) out the door (laughs) Um, I, I want a, I want a nasty finish. We're okay. breaking up. Uh, Algernon says, Wesley, come in here. And Wesley toddles downstairs. I'm a widow for this baby. Why are you being so loud, Papa? That's my British baby voice. Uh-huh. Uh, Algernon, uh, holds up the brooch and he says, do you recognize your mama's brooch? It's because you say you're her wise little owl. And you call me your owlet. That I do, Wesley. 
That I do. On account of my large eyes. You are cute now as a child, but if the eye proportion remains such into your adolescence and adulthood, it will be disturbing. That is my greatest fear, because you keep saying that to me, and it's giving me a complex. Today we must speak of other matters, Wesley. This brooch that I gave to your mother when I wed her is no longer sufficient for her happiness or for her fulfillment, as she puts it. I want you to see, Wesley, what happens when you try to trust another person with your happiness. Sorry. It's melodramatic. Yeah. That's my reaction to melodrama. I'm breaking up. Uh, <laughs> Alistair's, I think you've, you've struck a nerve with him, of course. He yeah. walks over to the table that he was repairing himself because he's now we're not as rich. Uh, and he pulls out this like wooden mallet. And he uh, gathers Wesley over and he makes eye contact with you, Stefana, and he says, are you watching, son? Yes, Papa. My eyes are so big, I cannot but watch. No, that's good. That's good. Watching is all I can do. <laughs> I cannot blink. <laughs> I'm in pain. Help me, Papa. Cool, cool. I use eye drops. And Algernon, with a grunt, brings the hammer down on the owl-shaped brooch and it shatters. The sapphires go tumbling out between the cracks in the wooden floor, lost forever, and the gold is mangled. And he looks up at you, Stefana, and he tosses you with the mangled brooch and he says, it suits you better now. Yeah, I think Stefana is a very, she, she's a very, um, except for when she's drunk, I guess, stoic. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, she has like a stray tear going down her face, but she's not like sobbing or and I think that's maybe has been a point of contention in this relationship is she's not reacting as bigly mm-hmm. as Algernon is hoping she will. And she says, if this is the only way you can see us moving forward, then uh, I will pack my things. And she reaches, she, she kneels down to little Wesley. Is it true, Mama? Uh, Wesley, uh, I feel... I have something I must do, and it is away from the home, but I will come back and we will spend time together soon. I just have to uh, ensure your future and mine as well. But you can't leave. Who will administer my eye drops four times a day? You will have to one day learn to do that on your own anyway, but we will hire a nurse, perhaps maybe a good one if we can afford it. Darkly from the corner, Algernon mutters, yes, money will fix all your problems, Wesley, don't you worry. Wesley, you should go to bed. We will talk about this more in the morning. I never sleep, for my eyes remain open all hours of the day. Um, go to bed and uh, stare, at your, <laughs> stare at your ceiling and let the chess pieces come down like the Queen's Gambit. No, why are we back to Queen's Gambit jokes in this fucking podcast? <laughs> She has big eyes. <laughs> <laughs> she does. Wesley uh, toddles back up to his bed for eight hours of staring at the wall, thinking about trains. What a monstrous child we bore. <laughs> I really shouldn't have done it. Yeah, I was you right. were right. <laughs> um, once you are both satisfied that the relationship is broken, destroy the last object together or choose one of you to destroy it as fits your story. Okay. Okay. What? Count of three? One, two, three. All right. <laughs> That's Foley. I used to like your affinity with mechanics until you engineered a better life for yourself. 
Finally, Broken asks us to leave a reminder. In the rules as written, after three cards have been burned, you would take a pause from playing out the scenes in order to relish the early stages of your relationship. Um, so this would normally function as a, a time capsule of that moment in the game before uh, the rest of the doomed relationship plays out. In our case, since we did a shortened game, we opted to leave the table entirely and record these messages for each other at the end of the game so that they function as an epilogue. Dearest Stefano, my wise little owl, every day that passes without a glimpse of the light of your cleverness leaves me pale and malnourished. In every room, my eyes search for yours, awaiting that spark of brilliance that illuminates my senses. I entreat you to appear before me soon, and thereafter never leave. Yours, Algernon. Dear Algernon, thank you for pushing me out the door all those months ago. I know now that I made the right decision in leaving. Enclosed in this letter is a small sum of money for Wesley. More will be coming in the future. Use it well, Stefana. Thanks for listening to our playthrough of Broken by Ben Wallace. If you want to support this project and grab a copy of the game, the crowdfunding campaign kicks off July 19th at Apon Games, that's A-P-O-N Games, itch.io forward slash broken. And if this is your first episode of Many Realms, welcome! I'll give you the quick version. Our episodes are about an hour edited down with music and sound effects, and we run short campaigns and one-shots that you can jump into without having to catch up on a humongous backlog. We've done classic fantasy, queer noir, hormonal monster teens, you name it. Jory, what's your favorite one-shot we've ever done? You're putting me on the spot, that's a hard question. I liked Bluebeard's Bride. Go listen to Bluebeard's Bride and all of our other episodes at therealmscast.com or wherever you find your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Bye.